Good morning, Life Church. Good to see everyone today. Welcome. So glad you're here. If you're a guest, we're honored you came to be with us, and our whole church wants to welcome you with a clap. So let's help welcome our guests. Come on. Yes. Awesome, awesome. So we're in a series. This is week two of a series called Pivot, and we're helping people and myself learn how to handle unexpected change in our life or adversity in our life. And we've all gone through a lot lately. And so it's just helpful to know what to do, how to navigate these types of situations in our life. But before we get to that, I want to pause and pray for Ukraine together as a church. I want us to take a moment and, and lift them up. And as I was preparing for that, I, I kind of looked into the situation just as much as I could to kind of learn to, to have an educated prayer. We put uh, some things on the screen. It might be helpful if you took a picture of that so you could continue to pray for Ukraine. Sometimes we don't know what to pray and these are some topics that will help you. Uh, Russia has declared war, as you know, um, uh, an unprovoked war, I would say it that way, on Ukraine and its people. I read that somewhere in the neighborhood of 87% of the population in Ukraine consider themselves to be Christians. Um, they have a form of democracy, not exactly like ours, but, but they pursue freedom for their people. And, um, and so I, I think it's important that we support other nations that, that believe in democracy and freedom for its people. But um, there's so much happening there that needs our prayer. Uh, the, the war has you know, begun, lives are being lost in um, it's, it's really just a sad situation, but we want to pray and believe God can, can work and do his, his work through all of this. And so if you would just bow your heads with me in this moment as we lift up Ukraine. Father, we come to you as a church body, partnered with many other churches and partnered with the church in Ukraine and the church that is in Russia people from all sides do not want war, but their president from Russia does. And we stand against that today. We pray for the people of Ukraine. We lift them up today, God, in, in a moment where we sit in a place of, of safety, feeling like we're far removed, but God, we're not. We're in some way connected and so, Lord, we lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ. We lift up those who don't know Christ. We just, we just believe in humanity, the best of people, God. And so we lift up Ukraine. Lord, I lift up leaders around the world, Father, that they would use wisdom, that they would respond and, 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 and use their, their abilities to, to make a difference. Father, I pray for our president. Lord, I pray that he would gain strength and he would respond with strength, Father. Lord, in, in my, my own view, I feel like we've missed some opportunities from our current administration. And God, I pray that you would cause our president to, to respond in a way that, that really helps and makes a difference, God. Father, in, in, in really tough times, we need strong leaders. And we pray that you would strengthen him to make great wise choices. We pray for those churches in both Russia and in Ukraine and, and the Christians, God, that you would protect them. We pray for that in this season that people would turn to you in, in those countries, God. 
We pray for humanitarian aid, Father. We ask, Father, that you would in some way help President Putin to have a change of heart. And God, if he refuses to change his heart, I ask that you would bring circumstances that would change his heart. Lord, we lift up the president of Ukraine. God, I ask that you would continue to give him courage and he would inspire his people to, to live courageously, Lord. Lord, we pray for Ukraine that they would survive this and they would maintain their government. And God, there would be a peaceful outcome. And so Lord, we lift up these things together in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, listen, church, um, I want to jump into our series. I know that's a really heavy moment and a serious moment. And so um, our series title is Pivot. So I'm gonna pivot us from that moment into our, our sermon today because I believe the word needs to be uh, preached and heard today. And so, um, so thank you for leaning in with me today. Uh, the series is about dealing with unexpected change and adversity that comes into our life. And it's, it's recognizing that something has happened in your life and, and you want to find the new way forward. You want to find out how to move forward. We used an illustration last week of a basketball player who was dribbling the ball towards the goal. An opposing an opponent stops him. He plants a foot and he begins to pivot to look for the new way forward. And so I believe that in this series, pivot is for me the ultimate, I'm not quitting. It's, it's the ultimate that I won't give up. It's the ultimate that when, when one door closes, God opens a new and better door for my life. And so we know that change is unavoidable and we can either change with the changes or we can just get stuck in the past with these things. And I'll put it in a fun way that we can either pivot or relive it over and over in our lives. But we wanna move forward, amen, church? And so today I wanna to talk to you about pivotal decisions, pivotal decisions and five decisions that will help you pivot in life. And so I wanna just kinda of sow into our hearts these, these types of decisions that will strengthen us so that we can move forward. So let me ask you a question though as we get started with this. What do you think the difference is between People who are, are happy and fulfilled and, and the relationships are good versus kind of the rest of the world that, that doesn't experience that. I mean, what do you think the difference is between, between fulfillment and people who aren't fulfilled in life? What would you might assume it is? Well, before you try to answer it, let me just tell you what it's not. That might be a better approach for a moment. Let me tell you what it's not. The difference is not uh, in talent. I've, I've seen talented people. I've seen you know, great athletes and Hollywood elites end up in rehab before, right? So, so that's, it's not talent that makes you fulfilled in life. It's not luck. We've all seen lottery winners, you know, blow it all and, and be broke a few years later. So it's not luck. It, it's not intelligence. I've seen smart people fail in life. And so it can't be that. Um, it's not appearance. I see, you know, really attractive people who don't maintain great relationships. And so, so it's none of that, am I right? So what could it be? I believe the difference boils down to the decisions we make. And I think it's most important to make good decisions in the moments of pressure, the moments of adversity, the moments when there's unexpected change. I believe the decisions, the stakes are higher in those moments. And I'll put it like this, that when we face unexpected changes, we are forced to make important decisions in life. 
And so when we come into those moments, we need to be ready. We need to know how am I going to process and get, uh, get my life moving forward. But oftentimes we're not very good decision makers. Uh, and just all of us, none of us, listen, me either. So we all are, really need some help in decision making. Uh, as an example, like, um, you know, in my world, just picking on myself and I, I enjoy that just because it's just easy. I'm an easy target. But, um, you know, like I want to be real healthy in life. You know, I really strive for that. And um, so I'm at dinner the other night and uh, they bring out this amazing, you know, bowl of pudding and it's just full of sugar and carbs and everything. And, and you know, so I, like I make a bad decision in the moment. I'm like, oh no, I'm eating that. Um, and I do it every time. And so, you know, and everybody keeps bringing me, you know, strawberry shortcakes and they bring me banana pudding all the time. I love it, but it, it really isn't good for me, but I make bad decisions. But let's pick on some other people for a moment. Enough about me. Uh, how about you shoppers out there? Maybe, um, maybe you're with your girlfriend and she goes, oh, I need to stop by Target for just a moment. <laughs> oh yeah. And you think, well, I need to pick up some shampoo. And somehow shampoo turns into a full grocery basket on the way out. And um, you spend a lot of money at, that you didn't want to spend. Maybe you're in high school or in college and you have a test coming up and, and you see a notification pop up on your phone and, and you have a moment of decision. Do I check it or do I let it go? Well, you know what happens. We check it and 30 minutes later, we're scrolling, haven't studied a bit. And so it happens. We're all bad decision makers. So I have a story. I don't know if you want to hear it or not. I have a story about myself. Um, <laughs> yes, she wants to hear my story um, because this is the day I, I probably discovered that I'm, I'm a really bad decision maker. And uh, so I'll tell you my story if you want to hear it. You want to hear it? Yeah. All right. So I'll just tell them myself. So I'm in college. So I got to go way back. So I've, I've become a better decision maker, just so you'll know. I'm in college and um, my dad had, had, had given, you know, purchased for me a Camaro to drive which I don't know was a good decision on his part. Um, but uh, my little Camaro would, would scoot now. I loved my Camaro. And I was in college at App State. And so um, one night, it was pretty late. It was probably after 1 a.m., which nothing good happens after 1 a.m., you know that. But I'm coming uh, back to campus, and I'm on a curvy road. And, and I'm in my Camaro, and I'm just swishing, swishing down this mountain road and, and feeling good, you know, just choo, choo, choo. Well, I'm kind of cutting some corners and on this one particular turn, it's a little steep and I'm a little over the yellow line just a little bit. Just so happens to be the same time that a highway patrolman is coming the other way. And so he decided to turn around and talk to me about that. And so when I saw his brake lights hit, I said to my buddy who was with me, oh no, the policeman's turning around. And he said to me, awesome, you have a Camaro, punch it. So I made my very first bad decision of the night. I said, yeah. So I punched it and I am roaring down this mountain now. And somehow this highway patrolman was able to catch me just like that. And now blue lights are in my, you know, back window and he's right with me. And so then I made my second bad decision. I thought I can make it to campus park and get out and run and hide before he finds me. So I stayed on it. Got to campus. Later, the highway patrolman told me that he clocked me doing 65 in a 20 mile per hour zone. So I am flying now through this parking lot 
going. And I know I'm going to get around this parking lot. There's a, you know, on my campus. I like, I know where to go. And just as I get to the other side of the parking lot, he had called one of his friends and they were parked with their highway patrolman at the other end of the parking lot blocking the exit. So I slam on the brakes, you know, and, 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 and so then I proceed to my next real bad decision. I said to my buddy, we can outrun them. And so we shut off the car, slam the door, and we get out and we take about four good steps. And then we hear this word that just changed everything in our life. We heard, freeze. I made my first good decision of the night. I froze. The policeman then told me I had earned the right to spend the night in the Avery County Jail. And so, yes, your pastor that you listen to every Sunday, giving you great advice and wisdom from the word of God has also spent the night in jail. Sometimes we learn some things from our mistakes and bad decisions. And I want to promise you from here on, I do way better than that. But by God's grace, I didn't hurt myself and I didn't hurt anyone else. But let me ask you, how many of you have a few decisions Thank you, Tim. A few decisions that you, you know, yeah, go ahead. If uh, you're pointing at, but you can't point at her. Oh no, your hand. I thought you're pointing at her. You, how many of you have a few regrets from a few bad decisions in your life? Come on, help me out. We're all need a little help. The rest of you that didn't raise your hand, you're liars and it's all good. We'll pray for you. It's awesome. So why do we make bad decisions in life? Why, how come do we make these bad decisions when we need to make good decisions? And I think it comes from some places that, that don't help us. Like sometimes we make emotional decisions. Like out of the, out of the heat of a moment, we'll make a, a bad decision. You know, maybe you're a parent and you've told your two little children to, to quit running in the house. And, and then one of them picks up a Nerf football, throws it across the room, hits your lamp, breaks it. And in the moment, your emotion comes. You know I should bring correction to this child. But instead, you make a bad decision and yell at your child. And, and, and that's not the way to do it. But emotion can get us in the moment. Maybe passion or, or maybe it, it's, you know, like um, uh, maybe out impulsiveness or something like that. Like in my life, like I love to play golf. I, I think it's just a blast to play golf. And in the spring, they always come out with these brand new golf drivers for the summer season. And if you walk through Dick's Sporting Goods, you can see those drivers and they cost like $525 for one of those. And, and so a good decision for me would be to look at that, admire it and walk away. A bad decision for me would be to pull out the credit card and think I can pay that off over the next six months. That would be a bad decision, wouldn't it? Uh, my love, I did not do that, just so you'll know. Yet, so. But listen, so many, so many things. Listen, uh, pressure of, of, of peer pressure can make, you know, push us into making bad decisions. And sometimes temptations lead us to make bad decisions. But I believe that one of the times that we really make poor decisions is when we're under pressure, under pain and anxiety that comes from unexpected changes in our life, from the adversities that hit us. And so what I want us to do is to learn to, to be ready ahead of time before 
this situation comes. I want to help us make a, a decision before we have the unexpected change. I had a friend just the other day said to me that you need to make a system for your worst day on your best day. And so that's why I want to introduce you to a thought called pre-deciding. Pre-deciding is something where you decide ahead of time. You make a decision that before this happens, before I walk into Target, before I walk into Dick's Sporting Goods, before impulsiveness takes over, when I see something I want, I've already decided that I'm gonna walk away and wait three days. Like that would be a, a pre-decision. You know, I'm, I have a way to help curb those things in my life. And so I believe that with God's help, that we're going to determine our course of action before we face a difficult situation. And so I have five pre-decisions that will help you and I pivot in life. And I wanna take us to the book of Daniel to learn these five pre-decisions that will really help you and I make the, the, the pivot and do it well. So the story of Daniel, real quick before I, I take to the verses, the story of Daniel. So Daniel was a teenager, he was living in Jerusalem as a teen, it was at the time that Nebuchadnezzar, who was the, the king of Babylon, conquered Israel. They captured, they captured Daniel and several other young men. And then they placed Daniel and these young men in a training program to, to brainwash them from their, their homeland, from, to brainwash them from their customs and to, to, to break them free from how they worship their God and to indoctrinate them in the Babylonian ways. And so Daniel faced significant and unexpected changes in his life as a teen. Uh, he, his family now gone has changed. His country has changed. His culture has changed. Leadership has changed. So much has changed in his life, yet Daniel made great decisions under pressure. And so I wanna take some of his decisions and the way he made them as a way for you and I to prepare for some unexpected changes. And so the first thing I wanna share with you is that, that we need to decide ahead of time before I encounter this unexpected change and pressure and setbacks, but before that happens that I will be faithful to God. So if you're taking notes, you need to write that one down. I will be faithful to God. Now for Daniel, when he was forced into this training program, one of the ways that they were going to reprogram him was to break him from his faith in God. And they offered him food that was unlawful for him to eat as a good Israelite, as a good Jewish boy. But Daniel was determined that he would be faithful to God. It says in Daniel 1.8, it says, Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. And so he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. So he asked the chief of staff permission. So everything in Daniel's life had changed, but Daniel wasn't going to change who he worshiped. He was determined, it says, that he would not defile himself, that he would honor God, that he would be faithful to God. I think it's kind of interesting that Daniel made a decision that he would be faithful to God before he was taken into the dining hall. Like he asked for permission before they took him in and he smelled the chicken legs and the turkey legs. And before he was offered anything, he made a decision. He wanted to have a, a heart for God before temptation came into his life. 
So he determined. We need to predecide that before we reach a place of stress, before we get in a moment of pressure in our life, that we are going to be faithful to God, that we are going to, to stand close to God, that when problems come into our life, that we're not going to pull away from God, but we're going to pull close to God in our life. We don't need to be weak when we need God the most in these difficult situations. And I've seen it so often that when people go through really busy seasons of their life and they go through adversity, for some reason, we have a tendency, instead of staying close to God and doing the things that draw us close to Him, we have a tendency to retreat from those things and we'll skip our morning prayer time. We'll skip our devotion time with God. We'll, we'll feel too busy to come to church or maybe we're in a situation and we feel that if someone knows what I'm going through, they, they may you know, think different of me. So we feel too ashamed to come to church. We're like, I don't want anybody to know I'm going through this hard time. Instead of coming to get prayer where you'll be strengthened, they stay away. What we need to do is make a decision right now, right before anything has happened in your life that I will be faithful to God. I will honor him and I will live. Before, before I find myself in a, a place of temptation, I will honor God with my life. And so the first thing that we can learn from Daniel is that, that I will honor him. I will be faithful to God. If we're going to pivot, we need to be faithful to God. Next, I've already decided that I will process what happened. I will process what happened. In other words, we're, we're not going to be in denial of something going on in our life. Pivoting isn't about, about you know, pretending something didn't happen and move forward. Pivoting is about us recognizing it, processing it. And what we can't do is react to a situation out of fear. And so we need to process it. We need to pause and think through what is going, through, going on in our life. Instead of just making a rash, quick, hasty decision, when something happens, in the moment that it happens, we need to be able to back up from it just enough to be able to process so that we can make a great decision. So back to the book of Daniel. We find for Daniel in chapter two that, that the king had had this dream and he wanted someone to interpret his dream. And so he asked all his astrologers and his magi magicians and, and the wise people around him to interpret his dream and they couldn't. And so the king got really upset about it all. And, and he said, well, just execute all of them. And he said, while you're executing them, go into the training and execute all the boys that are being trained up to be wise men. And so this picks up the story. It says in verse 12, it says, the king was furious when he heard this. And he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent out to find and kill Daniel and his friends when Arioch, uh, the commander of the king's guard came to kill them. It says, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. In other words, Daniel kept his cool. In other words, when this came at him, he didn't just panic. He paused and he made a great decision. He used wisdom, a good pivot requires us to, to weigh out the options. Instead of just a knee-jerk reaction, we have, to, we have to process what's going on. We need to pause. We need to pray. We need to get feedback from others before we move forward. The Bible even teaches us there's wisdom 
and many counselors. So you need to go ahead right now, you and I, and make a decision that when we do encounter some unexpected adversity in our life, that the moment it happens, that we're not gonna go crazy and we're not gonna just make weird decisions. We're not gonna get mad at others. We're, not, we're, just, we're gonna take a pause and we're gonna process and be like Daniel and handle the situation with wisdom and discretion. Amen, church? All right, so next, we're, we're just learning some great techniques how to process unexpected change. So the next is, I have already decided that I will make the best out of it. So before you get into a difficult situation, I'll make the best out of it. So when Daniel was captured, listen, that wasn't his life dream. He, he didn't think to himself, I hope when I'm in, you know, teens, I, I get captured by the Babylonians and they strip me of all my past. And I mean, none of that was his dream, right? He was, he was just in a situation, but he made the best of it. He made the best of his situation. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 118, it says, when the training period that was ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar and the king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel and his three friends. So they entered the royal service. No one impressed them as much as Daniel and they entered the royal service. The Bible also teaches us in Daniel 5:12 that Daniel had an excellent spirit. And so when we're thinking about making the best of it, I see in Daniel's life where he had no other options. He, he was captured. And so he was put into this training program. And so what he did is he made the best out of it. He applied himself, he learned, he grew, and, and he prepared himself. And with God's help, he became so respected and so trusted that the king placed him into his royal services. I think Daniel, this is, this is what I, I think it happened. I think Daniel in the moment made a decision and he thought about it like this. I think he thought, well, this is my new situation. I didn't plan it this way, but I might as well make the best out of it and see what God will do when I do my part. Let's see what God will do. You see, David gave God something to promote in his life. And I believe God can promote people when they give their best, when they operate out of excellence in life. I think sometimes I think that we, we find ourselves in situations and we don't wanna be here. And so when we're there, we, we choose rather than to give it our best to, to sit as a victim or to sit as, as someone who's like, well, I just, I don't care anymore. And listen, I don't believe God can bless us when we operate out of that type of mentality. But I do believe that when you give your best in a bad situation, God can promote us into where he wants us to be. Amen, church? Maybe it's like uh, in your life, maybe like you, you thought you were gonna get accepted into a different college, but you didn't. And so in that moment, you could either give, give up and be frustrated or you can say, you know what? I'm going to give it my best in this place and see what God can do. Maybe in your life you thought, hey, I would have a different job or a different rank or a different level in my job by now. And so in that moment, you could be frustrated if that's just, yeah, I just thought I would be somewhere else. And some people get frustrated and instead of giving their best, they just, they just pull back. But I believe that whatever your situation, if you give it your best, you give God something to work with and he can promote you out of giving your best. And so we want to give our best. 
Before anything changes in your life, before anything happens, you need to decide right now that God, I'm going to give you my best in that situation. Amen. All right. So number one, I will be faithful. Number two, I'll process it. Number three, I will make the best out of it. Number four, I have already decided at some point before it happens, at this point, I'm going to pivot, but I, I will make, or I'll take the next best step forward. I will take the next best step forward. Like at some point in this journey, in our pivot, uh, we have to, we have to move to the next spot. We have to move to what is next in our life. And so back to the story of Daniel, things were really going great for Daniel at this point in the story. He was so successful that the king was preparing to promote him to be the second in command of the whole palace. And so Daniel had much favor on his life. But jealousy struck the other leaders and they hated Daniel mainly because he wasn't from, from Babylon. And so they, they came up with this plan to, to have Daniel eliminated. And so they came up with a plan. They, they tricked the king into setting into law that if anyone worshipped anybody or prayed to anybody but the king, that they would be put to death by putting them in the lion's den. So the king in his pride said, that sounds great. I want everybody to pray to me. And so he set into law. And so the story says in Daniel 6.10, it says, but when Daniel learned, in other words, when Daniel found out this was the law, when Daniel found out this is what is now has been signed, it says that he went home, he took his next best step, and he knelt down as usual in the upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day, just as he's always done giving thanks to God. Daniel was well aware of the consequences of his decision. He had weighed those out. He had learned. He, he knew what was in front of him. But he was willing to disobey his authorities if they took away his freedoms to worship God. You know, I think sometimes there's a little confusion at times in, in the Christian world when it comes to authorities. I think that, um, that sometimes we think that, you know, we have to just obey all authority. And, and generally, I, I would agree with that. But if you ever have a civil authority or any authority that asks you to do something that goes against God's principles and practices in life, then I believe we have authority based on the example of Daniel that we can put up our protest against that. Can I get an amen? amen. So Daniel learned what was happening and he took his next step. And I want you to know that whatever your next step is, just like Daniel, it's going to require courage in your life. He took a courageous step. So when you're ready to take that next step, when you have pivoted and you're finding what's next and God has opened that door, I have found that it always takes courage to leave behind some things of the past. It takes courage to move forward. It takes courage to, to let go and say, God, I want to see what's next in my life. It takes courage. Your next step may not be to you know, disobey the civil government. We hope it's not. Um, but, but listen, you'll need courage in your life to take the next best step. But at some point, we all have to take the next best step. We have to pivot because if we don't pivot, we stay stuck in the past and we want to pivot. Pivoting isn't for the, the fearful. It takes courage and you need to decide ahead of time that when it's time, you'll take the next best step. Amen. Finally today, I have already decided, pre-decided that I will have faith that God will accomplish his purpose in my life. I have faith that God will accomplish his purpose. Your situation may be intense. You may be about to go into something in your life that seems impossible. 
Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. You may be in some way that you would consider a lion's den, symbolically in some way. You think it's impossible, like how can I ever get through this? But you know this about God. We know that, that God can do it. We know that he can get you through it. We can trust God by faith that he will still accomplish his purpose in my life and that no man can stop what God has started in your life. So you need the confidence that comes from faith that says that when I approach this difficult situation, that whenever it comes into my life, before it hits me, I've already decided that I will operate out of faith and I will believe that God will take me through this and get me to the other side by faith. It says in Daniel chapter 6, 19 through 22, it says that after Daniel had been thrown into the lion's den, it says very early the next morning, the king got up, hurried out to the lion's den. And when he got here, he called out in anguish. He said, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king. He said, my God, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. He said, my God, my God sent. And listen, I just want you to know that, that you can have that same statement that my God will get me through it. You can say, my God will answer my prayer. My God can heal my anxiety. My God can heal my knee. My God can bring my children back home. My God can do anything. My God can fulfill his purpose in my life. My God can do that. And that's what he said, my God, he made a way. And I wanna to say to you today that if you'll pivot, God will make a way. Your God will make a way and you'll get through it. Daniel faced so many unexpected changes and he pivoted every time. And as a result, he was set free, he was rescued and he was promoted and God fulfilled his purpose in his life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I wanna to close today with a thought. Daniel said, my God, it was his God. And if you're here today and you have never made our God, your God, where you can say, my God. Listen, it's not your parents' God that rescues you. It's not your friend's God that rescues you. You need to be able to say, my God rescues me. And if you do not know God today, if you've never been saved, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, then this morning I want to help you make him your God. I want you to be able to walk out and go, my God, he saved me. My God has set me free. My God has forgiven me. My God has given me a brand new life. I want you to know you are loved by our God and he loves you. He loves you so much, it's not based on anything you have done or haven't done. He loved me when I was driving like a maniac. My dad and my mom, not so much at the moment. <laughs> I'm playing with you, but God loves us. It's not based on anything we do or don't do. But all of us have had this situation where we're separated from God and that sin is that separation. We cannot be in a relationship with a heavenly God, a holy God with 
sin in our life that's present. Our sin has to be forgiven and it has to be paid for. And that's what Jesus did. He came and he, he died on the cross for the payment for mine and your sin. And the moment that you believe in Jesus Christ as your savior, then you are forgiven of all your sins and you begin a relationship with God. And so this morning, if you have never said, I want to have my sins forgiven, I wanna believe in Jesus as my savior, then I want today to be your day. And so I'm just gonna give you this opportunity real quick. Would you bow your heads, everyone in the room? And would you just have a moment with your pastor today? And if you would say to me by raising your hand, pastor, today I wanna be saved. Pastor, today I want my sins forgiven. Pastor, I want a brand new life. I want him to be my God. If that's you, would you raise your hand real high to me? I wanna see your hands. I see them. God bless you. Anybody else? Let's all say this out loud. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I know I've sinned and I ask Jesus to forgive me today. I receive that forgiveness. Thank you for saving me. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit today so that I can live for you all the days of my life. And thank you that you are now my God. I love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. God bless you.